Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. believe this story, at least not in its every particular. I'm not sure I believe all of it myself, but if you will listen carefully, and if you will surrender certain prejudices you may not even know you have, I believe you will recognize a bit of truth that you have always known and never acknowledged. Emily? Paul? Is that you, Emily? Yes, Paul. What are you coming home? I don't know exactly. You've been gone a long time. What are you doing over there anyway? Well, I'm... uh, I'm looking for the blue door. Our mystery drama, Behind the Blue Door, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Elspeth Eric and stars Jada Rowland. I'll be back shortly with Act One. everyone has felt that he or she was looking for something, that life was one long, blind search. Perhaps there are a few who have actually found what they were seeking and are content. But if there are, I've never met one. Everyone I know, the ones who are honest at any rate in what they tell me, is still looking. Pretty nearly perfect. He's nice looking. He makes a lot of money. But he works hard for it. I like the way he wears his clothes. The way he combs his hair. The way he drives his car. The way he treats me. Why do I say he's pretty nearly perfect? He's perfect. And he loves me. Truly, deeply, sincerely loves me. He wants to marry me, for heaven's sake. What are you trying to say, Emily? Oh, I don't know exactly, Paul. It's just that it's so hard to put into words. The right words. I I can't seem to find them. Emily, you're 22 years old. You've been graduated from a good school. You majored in English composition. You were editor of the school paper. You sold a story to the town paper. Oh, all that stuff. You certainly ought to be able to tell me whatever it is you want to tell me. Haven't I always listened to you? Whatever you had to say, haven't I always listened? Yes. Oh, yes. And you have listened to me. That's what made me fall in love with you, I think. More than anything else, that you listened. Really? Well, you did. Didn't you? I think so. You certainly looked like you were listening. I was. I was. And sometimes you'd answer me a month later. That really got to me. It, It meant that you hadn't just been listening, which was a great thing all by itself, but... It meant that you heard me and that you thought about what I said. And a month later, you picked up where I'd stopped talking and and we went on from there. Now, am I making any sense to you? Yes. Well, haven't you felt the same way about me? I mean, all this time we've been together, that no matter what happened to us, 
Even if we had to be separated for a while, for whatever reason, when we got together again, we'd pick up right where we left off. Don't, don't you feel that, or is it just me that feels that? If you say it's just me, I... I, I, I don't know what I'll do. It, it, it isn't just me that feels that way, is it, Emily? Is it? No. It isn't just you. <laughs> I knew it. I, I knew it. It wasn't just me. I, well, you and I could go on talking to each other forever. I know it. So you see, that means that we should get married. Paul, what you said before about us being separated for a while. Wouldn't make the least bit of difference. Maybe we ought to try it. What for? You, you mean you want to try it out? Is that it? Yes. I want to try it out. I want to go to Europe for a while. For a month, maybe. I have some money of my own. My father left me some money in his will. I want to use it to go away. To go abroad for a month. Um, wh where will you go? It, if you want to tell me... Paris, I guess. Isn't that where everybody goes the first time? To Paris. I've been in Paris five days now. Staying at a little hotel in the left bank. There's something here. It's in the air. It's in the way the lights fall after dark. It's in the shadows they cast. It's in the streets. They have streets here named after poets. Imagine that. I've already had a letter from Paul. It came this morning. He says, Dear Emily, guess what I've been doing since... Since you left, I've been looking for a house. A house for us when we're together again and ready to take up where we left off. I know just the sort of house I want for us. Not too big, not too small. With an upstairs and a downstairs, front door and a back door, and a whole real dining room just for sitting, sitting down, down and eating. eating. And he goes on like that. Dear Paul. Darling Paul. Why don't I go home right this very minute and marry him? And find our house and go and live in it to the end of our days? Why don't I? so excited I can hardly stand it. After I finished reading Paul's letter, I thought I'd go for a walk. Today I saw it. I was walking down one of the narrow little streets a few blocks off the Seine, and I saw it. The blue door. You know what? I, I wasn't even surprised. It was though... It was as though I'd known all my life it would be there, waiting for me. It didn't surprise me either that it wasn't locked. I just turned the big carved handle and went in. And it didn't surprise me that on the other side was a garden, all planted with roses and threaded with narrow little gravel walks. And what surprised me least of all seeing a man coming towards me down one of those gravel walks. He was holding out his arms to me. Emily. Hello. Oh, hello. I'm so glad I found you. I'm glad, too. You really are glad, aren't you? Well, of course I'm glad. I've been waiting for you. 
I'm sorry it took me so long. Oh, it doesn't matter now that you're here? No, it doesn't matter. Not really. May I ask you something? My darling Emily, you may ask me anything you have a mind to, anything at all. Do you think I'm pretty? Do I think you're pretty? Well, now... It's very important to me. Everything you think about me is important. You can't imagine how important. So tell me. I... I think... I think you are very pretty. Oh, oh, I'm so glad. Did you think otherwise, that perhaps you weren't pretty? Well, not quite. I hoped I was. But now that I know you think so, now I'm sure. Is it so important to be pretty? I want to be pretty for you. That's all? Just pretty? You make me sound so vain. What about being kind and loving and merry of heart? Slow to anger, quick to forgive. You could never make me angry. Never. I wouldn't love you so much if I thought you were so mean-spirited you could never get angry. Really? You mean that? I really mean that. Oh, my goodness. When you're hurt or humiliated or neglected or treated unkindly, I should most certainly expect you to become angry and to show it. Well, you'd never hurt me or humiliate me or any of those things. Are you so sure of that? Of course I'm sure. I'm only a man, you know, very ordinary, with ordinary failings. Oh, no, not you. Yes. Me. Me. And every other man. I think that I should leave now and go back to my hotel. You've given me things to think about. I hope so. Well, you have. I'll come back tomorrow. And we'll talk some more. Good. I hardly slept that night. I stared into the darkness. And out of the dark would come the image of the blue door. My heart would beat a little faster. And I seemed to feel the big carved handle. Turn it. Open the door and walk in. See the garden. And then see him. What a lot we would have to say to each other. What a lot of questions I would ask. And he would answer them all. I thought I remembered exactly where the blue door was. On the Rue des Saint-Pères. Or one of those tiny streets near a little old church. I was sure I could walk straight to it. But my memory had played a trick on me. I couldn't find it. Monsieur? Pardon? S'il vous plaît. Mademoiselle? Je cherche. Je cherche. Vous cherchez, oui. Qu'est-ce que vous cherchez? Oh, you don't speak English at all, do you? Uh, vous ne vous ne parlez pas anglais? Oh, je regrette, mademoiselle. One moment. Oh, I have a little dictionary. Here. Ah, vous dites Yes, oui. Oh, oh. Ah, here it is. Je cherche une porte. Vous cherchez une porte? 
Wait a second. Uno, stop. Um, attendez. Here. Yes. Une porte bleue. Yes. A bleu? Vous, vous comprenez? Bleu? Porte bleu? Oui, je comprends. Oh, it was here yesterday. A blue door. Pardon? Uh, la, la porte bleu. Il était ici yesterday. Ici, une porte bleue. Oh, don't you understand? I have to find it. It's very important to me. Très important. Oui, je comprends. Mais il n'y a pas une porte bleue. I tell you, there is. There has to be. I was here. I saw it. I opened it. I went inside and there, there was a garden and, and a bed. Il n'y a pas une porte bleue dans cet environ. Are you trying to tell me there's no blue door in this neighborhood? <laughs> Polite, this policeman, but very firm. And there was no mistaking what he was telling me. There is no blue door in this neighborhood. No blue door. No garden on the other side of it. No tall, wise and loving man in the garden. I'd imagined all of it. I dreamed of my happiness. And now I was awake. And my happiness was gone. I wandered up and down the little streets for a while, not really expecting anymore that I'd find what I had started out to look for. Just wondering how I could have been so happy one day and the next so unbearably sad. can happen that way. In a day, in an hour, a minute, or a second, joy can turn to despair. Love is lost, and only solitude remains. Here are four simple and touching lines from a seldom quoted 19th century poet, George MacDonald. Alas, how easily things go wrong. A sigh too much, or a kiss too long. And there follows a mist and a weeping rain. And life is never the same again. I'll be back with Act Two shortly. The mystery of the blue door persists. The door, the beautiful garden beyond it, and the wise and loving man in the garden. Is it really there? Is the garden really there? Most important, is the man really in the garden behind the door? Well, I don't know of my own personal knowledge, but of this I am pretty sure. Every woman believes that all three exist somewhere, only waiting for her to find them. It's not for me to tell her she's wrong. I wandered listlessly up and down the Rue des Saint-Pères for a couple of days and all the other little streets in that quarter. I've never felt so alone. I thought perhaps I might run across the Frenchman who told me there was no blue door. Il n'y a pas une porte bleue dans ces environs. There's no blue door in this neighborhood, mademoiselle. Back at my hotel, I did the one thing I've always done when I was unhappy and alone. I did it without thinking, without 
asking myself why I was doing it. I just did it. I called Paul. Emily? Is that you, Emily? It's me, Paul. How was Paris? Oh, <laughs> Paris is all right. <laughs> all right? That's not the way people talk about Paris. It's lovely. Really lovely. Paris is lovely. You, uh, met anybody? What? Uh, you, uh, you sound lonely, kind of. I am, kind of. H haven't you met anybody at the hotel or someplace? A, a cute girl like you, I'd have thought you... I met somebody. Oh. I met a man. Uh, he, did he take you out? No. We just, uh, you know, talked talk for a while, that's all. He hasn't called you or anything? No. I haven't seen him again. I guess he's left town or something. I haven't met anybody else except a Frenchman on the street. I was looking for something, and he... He tried to help me, but... But he couldn't. Uh, looking for what? A blue door. A, a what? A, a blue door. You, you said a blue door? Is that what you said? Yes. But I couldn't find it. Oh. Uh, well, uh, when are you coming home? I don't know exactly. Soon? Make it soon, huh? I'd like to. So do it. Not right away. Emily, I think I've got a surprise for you. We'll have, anyway. Really? What? A house. I think I found a house. I took your mother to see it, and she likes it a lot. She thinks you'll like it. As a matter of fact, she's positive. I'm about to put a down payment on it. I don't know if you should do that, Paul. I don't want to take a chance on losing it. It's a salt box type of house. That's what your mother says. Pretty old, uh, needs a little fixing up, but... Paul, I'm going to Rome. What? What did you say? I'm going to Rome. I've never seen Rome. Uh, so as long as I'm here, I, I think I should. Everybody should see Rome. I don't know why I said that to Paul, about going to Rome. But as long as I'd said it, I thought I might as well do it. There was clearly no point in staying in Paris, looking for a blue door. It didn't exist. So I went to the Garde de Lyon and bought a ticket. The porter settled me and my luggage in a pretty little compartment. I sat staring out of the window, still in the same daze, the same lost state of bewilderment I'd felt in Paris. There was another train from the track right next to the one I was on. The windows of its dining car were right opposite me. People were sauntering in and out, finishing or ordering drinks or food. I was starting to wonder if I was hungry, if I ought to eat something. When I saw him, him, the man from the garden behind the blue door. He was sitting with a woman, a very attractive woman, and they were talking to each other. I didn't stop to think what I was doing or what I meant to do. I hustled off my train and into the other one, into the dining car. But when I looked at the table where I'd seen him, the man wasn't there. Only the very attractive woman, all by herself. I, I beg your pardon. Yes. Something I can do for you. Oh, you speak English. I'm in America. Oh, good. So am I. Did you want to sit down here? I'll be leaving in a minute or two. Uh, 
Uh, there are other tables. I'd like to sit here with you if, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind. I'm just finishing my drink, but would you like one? Some wine or something? No, uh, no, I, I don't want anything. Thank you. I. You see, I, I saw you sitting here before. Oh? Uh, only there was a man sitting with you? Oh, yes. I, I saw you from over there. Uh, over where? Uh, from that train, my compartment. I could see you from the window of my compartment. But that's the train to Rome, isn't it? Yes. Uh, yes, it is. I've, I've been in Paris, and uh, I thought I'd go to Rome. You're making sort of a grand tour, are you? Uh, not exactly. I, I'm i looking for someone. Oh, a friend? Uh, not exactly. Kind of. A man. Oh, I see. Uh, I suppose that sounds silly. Not at all. I'm looking for a man myself. You are? Well, isn't every woman? Of course, I don't mean just any man. I mean the right man. Is that what you mean? Yes. Uh, We all have this unshakable conviction that somewhere there is the absolute one right man. That's how I feel. Don't you? I've felt that way since I was 14. I still do. Yes. Well, you see, I think I found him. The absolute one right man? I met him in Paris. Oh, my, aren't you lucky? Well, we had a long talk, he and I. He gave me a lot to think about. Yes? And? I was supposed to see him the next day at the same place. But, oh, don't tell me. He um, disappointed you. He didn't show up. It's worse than that. When I went to the place where I was supposed to meet him again, he wasn't there. No, I'm really sorry. No, it's worse than that. The the place wasn't there either. I beg your pardon. It was a garden in the Latin Quarter, behind a blue door. But when I went back, there wasn't any blue door. Do you think you, um, you forgot the address or something? Well, I didn't really know the address, but I knew where it was, near an old church. I went right to it, only... It wasn't there. I went back quite a few times and looked all over, up one street and down another. But the man was right. There's no blue door in that neighborhood. So I decided to go to Rome. I I don't know why. Uh, Forgive me, but I think this train is getting ready to pull out. Uh, Then I saw you here at this table talking to that man. And he's the man from the garden. Really? So if you tell me who he is. I don't know who he is. You don't? No. He just sat down at this table. We exchanged a few pleasantries. He had some coffee. And he left. I've no idea who he is. But he must be on this train somewhere, don't you think? I suppose he is. <laughs> Look, I think we're going to pull out any minute. I don't care. Oh, but what about your train to Rome? What about your luggage? You do have a suitcase or something, don't you? It's on the other train. Well, don't you think you should... Uh-oh. I'm afraid it's too late. The train started up. It's all right. I don't want to go to Rome anyway. I want to stay right here on this train and go wherever it's going. You mean you don't know? Where is it going? To Venice. Venice. And that's where I'm going. Venice. I'm sure this nice lady thought me very peculiar, to say the least... But she stayed with me long enough to explain how to get into Venice from the train station, the Vaporetto and all that. And then 
then she left. I had some coffee. Then I started walking up and down the train. None of it was any good. The man didn't seem to be on the train at all. And neither did the woman. In Venice, I found a pension to stay at, and I started wandering around Venice. Just the way I'd wandered around Paris. In a daze. In a dream. And on the third day, near the fish market, I saw it. The blue door. It had a lovely wrought iron handle, and I turned it. Not at all surprised that the door wasn't locked. I walked in. And there it was. The beautiful garden. With lilies and roses and geraniums and little gravel walks. And there he was. I knew you'd be here. You did? I had an awful time finding you. I'm sorry. I went back to the blue door in Paris. But it... It wasn't there. What happened to it? I really don't know. I thought I was going to see you again and talk to you. I... I was called away. You've no idea how upset I was. Well, where have you been all of this time? Oh, traveling around here and there. I've had a terrible time finding you. It's a miracle that I found you at all. In Paris, I went back to the blue door the next day and you weren't there. The blue door wasn't even there. I looked all over for it and couldn't find it. It simply wasn't there. I nearly went crazy looking for it. Poor little girl. So I decided to go to Rome. I even bought a ticket. I even got on the train at the Gare de Lyon. I don't know what I thought I'd do in Rome, but I couldn't think of anything else to do. I didn't want to go home, not yet anyway. You'll have to go sometime. I know that, but not yet, not yet. Anyway, while I was sitting in my compartment on the train that was going to take me to Rome, I looked out the window, and on the next track there was a different train. And I saw you in the dining car. So I got off my train. I rushed over to the other one and into the dining car, but you'd gone. Yeah. So? You'd been sitting at a table for two. With a woman. So? A woman you didn't even know. She told me she didn't even know your name. But I stayed on the train anyway when it pulled out. I came to Venice. I don't have any clothes but the ones I've got on. I've wandered all over Venice till my feet are sore, and I'm so tired. And then, just now, I found the blue door. And you. And so, what now? Well, doesn't it mean anything to you? What should it mean to me? That I love you. Oh. Is that all you're going to say? Just, oh. I really can't think of anything to say but, oh. You could say, you love me back. You could say that. I could, yeah. But I don't think I should. You really must go now. Oh, won't you, won't you even kiss me goodbye? Of course. Once on this cheek. Like that. And once on the other cheek. Like that. Now, run along. I stumbled. 
out of the garden and onto the street. I could hardly see where I was going because my tears were blinding me. By the end of the street, I'd stopped crying. And I turned around and went back. He owed me something, this man. Something besides two brief kisses, one on each cheek. But when I got back to where I left him, the blue door wasn't there. I might have known it wouldn't be. Perhaps you'll remember that at the beginning of this little tale, I said that to most, if not all of us, life seems one long blind search. What we are listening to here is the long blind search of a young girl named Emily. Just as she thinks the search has come to an end, that the eager, arduous pursuit is over, things change. Shapes alter. Even people are not as they were. And, as we shall see in Act 3, the search goes on. The world never stands still. Today is not like yesterday, and tomorrow will be different from today. It is not quite true. The ancient French saying, que ça change, que c'est la même chose. That is, the more things change, the more they are the same. At least, for each one of us, things are changing all the time. For better or for worse. But never the same. But if things change, why, so do we. quite bring myself to go home. Twice now, in Paris and in Venice, I'd found what I was looking for. And both times, I'd lost it. I began to feel like a character in a book or a play or a movie. Not me, myself. But some made-up character going through certain motions, making certain sounds. Strange motions. Strange sounds. To tell you the truth, I felt not altogether sane. Still, I couldn't go home. Not yet. So, I went to London. I bought some clothes and other things in London. I found myself a nice hotel in the Chelsea district. And then, I did the only natural thing I could think of to do. I called Paul. Emily? Is that you? It's me, all right. How are you, Paul? Uh, the operator said London was calling. Well, that's where I am. London. I thought you were in Rome. I was in Venice for a while. Emily, are, are you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Maybe you should come home. I will. I really will. When? Pretty soon, I think. Listen, I've got a big surprise for you. Guess what it is? You bought the house. You, you guessed. First try. Emily, you're going to love it. I know you are. Of course, if you don't, uh, well, we'll just have to find another one. But I have a feeling you're going to like this one. It's got an upstairs... And a downstairs and a front door and a back door and a dining room just for sitting down and eating in. How'd you know? I just knew. Well, it's uh, got an attic, too, and a cellar. 
sounds wonderful. Oh, it is wonderful. And it, it's got a garden, roses and things. Really? Your mother's been working on that. I've been doing things to the house. Emily, come home. I will. I will. When? Soon. Only not right now. Not just yet. Honey, are you, are you all right? I'm all right, yes. I'm all right. It's just that... Are, are you crying or something? You sound like you're crying. I'm not crying. I'm not really crying. It's just Look, I, that... I, I'm going to fly over there and get you and bring you back. No, please don't do that. Please don't do that. I, I, I just don't mind telling you. I've been worried about you. So is your mother. We've talked about it. All this traipsing around. I wasn't traipsing around. Well, what would you call what you've been doing? I don't know. Well, whatever you call it, stop it and come home. I will. Soon. I promise? I promise. After I hung up the phone, I found I actually was crying. Not big heaving sobs. Just those quiet little tears that go crawling down your cheeks and into the corners of your mouth. Well, I couldn't have that. So, I washed my face and put on one of my new dresses and went downstairs into the nice, cozy lobby. And there she was. The woman from the train to Venice. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. We met on the train, remember? The train to Venice. In the dining car. Yes, I remember you very well. Look, I'm having tea and some of those marvelous little cucumber sandwiches. Why don't you join me? Well, just for a minute. I'll ask for another cup. Have you been here long? A few days. Having any fun? Mostly I've been shopping. I <laughs> I didn't have any clothes when I got here. So. Uh... Oh, that's right. I remember. You left your luggage on the train to Rome. Did you ever find it? I didn't even try to. I... When I got off the train, I looked for you. Really? Actually, I looked for you on the train, too. And later, on the Vaporetto. But I couldn't find you anyplace. I was, um, you might say, occupied. Staying to myself, more or less. I looked for that man, too. The man who was sitting at your table in the dining car? Oh? You were looking for him? I wanted to talk to him. You might say he was occupied, too. Keeping to himself, actually, uh, actually, he and I were occupied with each other. Really? You told, you told me you didn't even know him. That's true. I, I didn't know him. Didn't even know his name. But remember that little talk you and I had about looking for the absolute right man? How that's what every woman is looking for? Yes, I remember. Was this man... Did it turn out that he really is absolutely the right one for you? Well, I'm not counting any chickens, you understand, but... I understand. I think probably he is. I hope so. I hope I'm the absolutely right woman for him. I'm sure you are. Now I've got to go. I started to wander around the Chelsea district. There were so many darling old houses. 
Lots of them with gardens. I began to think of Paul. And the house he'd gone ahead and bought. With a front door and a back door. And an upstairs and a downstairs. And a dining room. And I saw it again. The blue door. It was a lighter blue this time. Paler. Cooler. Even a little faded. But I couldn't pass it by. I went up to it. Took hold of the big brass knob. Turned it. And then let it go. For the first time, I didn't want to open the blue door and go inside. I turned around and took a taxi cab to the airplane office and bought a ticket for home. Driving? Oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> Where's Paul? In the car. He's not supposed to park. So let's hurry up and see about your luggage. Oh, this is it. <laughs> that dinky thing. Where's your big suitcase? I lost it. Left it on a train. Oh, Emily. <laughs> well, come on. Paul's waiting. Now, tell me, how was it? Did you have a good time? Did you see everything? Did you meet anybody interesting? I met a woman. Quite interesting. I liked her. She was something like you. Come to think of it. Here's Paul. Got himself a brand new car. Paul? As well as a brand new house. Here we are, Paul. I can't wait for you to see the house. You'll love it. I love. Hi, Paul. Where's your luggage? She's lost it. Now, who wants to sit in the middle? Me. I do. Oh, hop in. Let's get cracking before I get a ticket. All set. Glad to be back. Yep. Paul, let's drive straight to the new house, okay? Okay with you, Emily? Okay with me. Oh, Emily, you're going to adore it. It's almost 200 years old, but it's in very good condition. Just a few little things that needed to be done to it. And Paul took care of those. Uh, with a little outside help. Oh, now, you did most of it yourself. You know you did. Paul's so handy with tools and things, just like your father. Of course, you don't remember your father. But I've told you, I remember him. I remember him very well. Oh, darling, you couldn't remember him at all. I know exactly what he looked like. Medium tall with wavy brown hair and blue eyes with dark lashes and a beautiful smile. And of course, you've seen pictures, but you never saw him. I saw him twice. Darling, you couldn't have. Paul, did Emily ever tell you about her father? Not much. And there wasn't very much to tell as far as she was concerned. She never knew him. I knew him very well. Oh, darling, please. <laughs> you see, Paul... When they took me to the hospital to bring this sweet child into the world, my husband was already ill. Temperature of 104. Pneumonia. Some strange variety. They didn't respond to antibiotics. No response at all. So, after I had Emily, they brought me home. She was a week old. And I walked up the path to our house with her in my arms, and I heard this tapping on an upstairs window. I, I looked up. And there he was. Your husband? Yes. He'd got out of bed and somehow struggled to the window to catch his first glimpse of his daughter. Heaven knows how he did it. But he did it. He waved, a tired little wave, and blew a kiss. And then the nurse came to the window 
and led him back to bed. He died the next day. Well, at least he saw her. He waved to her at something. I mean, not much, not enough, but something. But she could never have seen him. She was only a week old. I saw him twice. No, I don't think you could have seen him the next day, darling. He was quite delirious. His temperature had shot way up. They'd never have let you in the room with him. All the same. Anyway, you were one week old. Your eyes didn't even focus. Where did you meet him originally? Oh, in Venice. On a train. Oh, yes. We actually met on the train from Paris to Venice. In the dining car. Yes. Yes. Actually, it was in the dining car. He sat down at your table. That's right, he did. Have I told you all this? He didn't make any impression on you at first. But later. In Venice. No, before that. You looked him up on the train. And you and he spent a lot of time together. Then came Venice. You were absolutely right. Heavens. Your memory is better than mine. Imagine you're remembering all that. It was in Venice that you started to fall in love. But it wasn't till you got to London that you were sure. Hey, we're coming to the house. Oh, yes. See, Emily, the little salt box. See the god. Roses and geraniums. And look. Oh, look. A blue door. says he and Mother argued a lot about what color he should paint the door. Green or red, maybe, or maybe yellow. Then Paul said no. Blue to match my eyes. Well, it doesn't match my eyes exactly, but it's a lovely color. The same clear blue as the eyes of my father. you are going to object that a weak old child is not even conscious that a man she will later know as her father even exists. That a new baby is conscious only of a warm, protective female body. And of course, you are right. Nevertheless, as the baby grows and growing, dreams, especially if the baby is a girl, the dreams will be of a tall, strong man who will one day find her desirable and love her. I'll be back shortly. Others of you may object that our story only dramatizes Maurice Metterling's story of the bluebird of happiness and the search for it, which ended back home where it had been all the time. That we have simply changed the bluebird to a blue door. All right. I'll agree with you, but at least grant me that in any form, under any disguise, the story is a good one and bears telling over and over again. Our cast included Jada Rowland, George Firth, Ann Williams, and Russell Horton. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time... Pleasant dreams.